think one of the most used phrases that we'll ever hear from just thinking about this is, are you ready? Think of how many times you use the word or the question, you say, are you ready? Are you ready to get up in the morning? Are you ready to go to school? Are you ready to go to work? Ready for graduation? Ready for the game? Ready to go to the mall? Ready for whatever's coming? Throw that blank in. Are you ready? Well, as many of you know, dear brother Lawrence went to be with the Lord, and the Lord rejoices in the death of the saints, even though we're going to miss Christ, we're going to see him again one day. And the Lord had put a message on my heart to be regarded Israel, but with the death of the bridges, so I threw a curveball in there. And we're going to go to Matthew 22 and look at the first 14 verses.
of the wood sled. If we're being some fruit inspectors, yeah, but you should have to be He was ready. Thank you. 
again in verse 4, he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, and my oxen and fat cattle are all killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. So notice they had other things that were occupying their time. Something that was more important than going to the king's son's wedding. Interesting, right? That they wouldn't go to this royal wedding. But notice something different happened here. They seized his servants and they treated them spitefully and killed them. Interesting that someone invited to the wedding feast not only refused to go, but would end up killing the people, the messengers, the proclamation message. One of the things this represents is the preaching of the apostles to the Jews after the death of Jesus. But still they refused to come. Notice what happens to him. The king heard about it in verse 7. He was furious. And he sent out his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. And an interesting thing I found that I'd like to just read to you in my preparation tonight is something that actually took place. In Israel. Titus came and burned the city of Jerusalem and destroyed the people because they refused to come. Thus, the judgment of God through Titus. And Jesus is predicting that particular event, the burning of the city of Jerusalem. And Chuck Smith, who I uh, got this from his study notes this part, said, Chuck Smith is speaking, when he was there in Israel, he accompanied some people on an archaeological dig, and this man dug down under his house through several centuries, um, and there was some archaeological artifacts, and partway down there's a layer of ash about six inches thick. thick which is the ash from the burning of the city of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. by Titus. And it's quite remarkable to look at that layer of ashes and to realize what it does represent. And one of the things we see here in verse 7 is that there was judgment that came on Israel as a result of rejecting their king. And part of it was the city was destroyed and the people were scattered because they didn't receive and go to the wedding of the Son. Verse 8, he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, in verse 9, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. Just want to repeat that again. Verse 9, therefore go into the highways, and as many as you find, 
invite to the wedding. As many as you find, invite to the wedding. So if we were the servants and, and the king sent us out, everybody that we saw out on the highway would be invited to the wedding. Oh, there's something over there. Let's get down. Hey, over there, come on, there's a wedding. The king's invited you to the wedding of the sun. So everybody we saw would be invited. It was to a select group initially. But they wouldn't come. So now he's turning randomly to these people that are out on the highway inviting them to the wedding. And notice in verse 10, So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. Well, guess who all those good and bad people are today? I'm looking at it. It's you and me. You see, when the Jewish nation initially rejected Jesus, who did the apostles after the resurrection of Jesus start in ministering to them? It was the Gentiles. They went out. The Gentiles were the ones that heard the gospel because the Jewish people initially rejected him. But God hasn't forgotten the Jewish people, has he? Some people say that Israel is just symbolic of the church today. Well, that's a lie. God has not forgotten about the Jewish nation or his people. But you and I have been grafted in as a result of their rejection. But we also see in the scripture that before it's all over, there's going to be a tremendous revival among the Jewish people. And there are many Messianic Jews today, or completed Jews. There's some right in the fellowship. There's at least one at the time. Praise God for her. But God is not through. I love the part both bad and good were asked. See, the, the servants went out and they gathered anybody they could see. It wasn't how tall they were. It wasn't how good looking they were. It wasn't if they were rich or poor. Bad or good. Everyone was invited. I think of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whoever, whoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That is still happening today. That's going on right as we speak here tonight. But here's a very interesting thing in the next verse. Verse 11. But when the king came to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. Huh. So that means all the people that were there had a, on a wedding garment. But there was someone who stood out in the crowd because they didn't have on a wedding garment. They have to understand. What this is referring to is when people were invited to the wedding back here at this time, they would be given a wedding card because they were part of that ceremony 
was part of the ritual. So if you and I were invited, we'd be put in on a wedding party and say, hey, we're part of this. We're here. We're invited guests. Which I think is pretty cool. Especially once the spiritual significance of it in a few minutes. And notice what happens in verse 12. When the king saw this person without the wedding garment on. So he said to him, Friend. Get chills right now, just think of it. Call him a friend. Call him a friend. He didn't yell at him. Didn't get upset when he called him a friend. But he did say, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Verse 13, And the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot. Take him away, cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Seems like the last few weeks or maybe the last couple of months, a lot of messages have been on the emerging church or cults. Things that are going on. We know that the billboard uh, will probably be torn down on Sunday and Monday of this coming week at the end of the world. The judgment day is May 21st. Of a loved one, or even with the death of 
here tonight might not be here on Sunday. I mean, this is reality. This is not a, anywhere to uh, scare us, but it's reality. We need to live in reality. We see in the scriptures at the beginning the people invited to the feast did not come because they had other things to do. Do we not hear what God is trying to say to us every day because we have other things to do that we deem more important? Is anything in the richest life more important right now to Him than being in the presence of Jesus? That was a little temporary stuff. That's all going on. The most important thing He did was receive Jesus into His heart and into His life and walk with Jesus in the day. Everything else is either fluff or a distraction. Or the fluff can be a distraction, but there can be negative things in our life too. Could be sickness. Could be pressure at the job or pressure at home. Could be economics, problems, whatever's going on. But those concerns distractions to our main course. And that of course is relationship with Jesus. Well, the wedding garment that you and I need to have on is only purchased one way. We can only get it one way. And I'm going to collect $25 for you all. And I have a whole thing of robes right here that I'm going to give you. And then you're in. And if you have friends, just have them send the money. No, it doesn't work that way. The price is already been paid. You don't have to pay. And it cost God his life to get you that robe. The Bible calls it the robe of righteousness. It's put on by you and me when by faith we realize that Jesus died on the cross for your sin and my sin. But just because he died on the cross for your sin and my sin doesn't get you the robe. The second thing is we need to realize that we have sinned and fallen short of God's perfect standards. And that the only way we can get back into a relationship with Him is by accepting Jesus' death on the cross, that that blood paid the price for your sin and for my sin. And then ask Jesus to come into our lives, forgive us our sins. And be our Lord and our Savior. And fill us with His Holy Spirit. Because God calls us to be holy and to be separate unto Him. Now, many people, I know I was one, I was separated unto my own thing. Jesus was over here. Hey, Jesus, how you doing? Glad I'm here today. Sing in and and praying to you. And this is pretty cool what I'm reading here. Then I would go over and separate myself and do my own thing. Whatever that was. Whatever I wanted to do was over in this part of the world that I would bring to come on over and be with Jesus again. See, he wasn't my Lord and Savior. He was my Savior when I was convenient. But he wasn't my Lord. He was a dictator. 
when I was over here, when I was listening, hearing, speaking, hanging with, he wasn't in control that I chose this. But then, after heartache and hardship, and his faithfulness, not mine, I brought him everywhere I go. And then I look through the lens of the scripture to see if this is something that I should be doing to glorify my God. And if in doubt, I left it out. Whether it be something I was watching or listening to or people I was hanging with, that would be the indicator. Was bringing glory to my Savior, Jesus Christ. Is it something he, where he wanted me to be? So that little righteousness that was purchased by the blood of Christ, once you receive him as your Lord and Savior, you're now in that robe, clothed in that robe. So, one day at the wedding feast, you'll be right there with all the other wedding guests who are wearing their robe of righteousness that's covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. See, there's no other way to wear, you can wear anything you want, but it's not going to be accepted. You can believe anything you want to believe, but you're not going to go to the wedding feast. Now, let's think about this. This person, he must have had a glimpse of the wedding before he was thrown out. must have had a glimpse of it. Can you imagine getting a glimpse of Jesus and the heavenly host and the wedding before you're thrown into an everlasting fire? That, that's so heavy to think about that. And the thing I see where, this, where uh, the king calls a friend is Jesus loves everybody in hell right now. He loves every single person in hell. He loves them. He died for them. But they were too busy while on this earth to pay him any time. They didn't listen to him. And this is where it comes back home. You came here tonight to hear a teaching of God's Word. But hearing is one thing, applying is another, right? We all hear. But are we taking what God has shown us, and are we really grasping it and holding on to it and living it? Remember, you can't do that except by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it out of your own willing to do it. It takes a transformation brought about by God Himself in your life. Are you ready to be used by God greater tonight and tomorrow than you were this morning and yesterday? You know, that's only a prayer request away. God wants you to ask Him those things. Or are you afraid to? Is it the flesh that it's the flesh that causes you to fear being used greatly by God? Why? In Isaiah 61, 10, it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, 
as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Romans 10.3 says, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. One more time. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and seeking to establish their own righteousness. There's people that are going to stand before God and say, Hey, I went to church every Sunday. You know, I used to feed the homeless, clothe the homeless, and feed the hungry. And the Bible says that Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. I don't know you. Depart from me. Friend, depart from me. Jesus says to be holy as he's holy. That comes as a result of you and I submitting ourselves to Jesus, fellowshipping with Jesus, fellowshipping with one another, staying in the Word of God, which will build us up and make us stronger and more separated unto Him. You'll only become what you're spending time doing. You're going to only become what you practice doing. You can't be ready for anything unless you practice doing it. I did not put together a car motor. If you ever break down and see me, call me over, we'll pray. Don't ask me to take anything to the motor. Because I've never done anything with the motor. No matter how great my intention is, I, want, I can't help you with the motor. You're only going to accomplish those things you practice. We need to practice in spending a lot of time in God's Word. I want to close with the story of this. It's part of the uh, lesson I was going to talk about on Israel. But let me read a few uh, couple paragraphs and then I'll wrap it up. And it had to do with Israel's right to the land. In other words, Israel's right to the land they're in today. And it has to do with their historic right to the land of Israel. We know that there has been an Israel up until, time, up until the time of the Roman Empire. The Romans conquered the land. Israel had no homeland, although the Jews were allowed to live there. They were driven from the land in two dispersions. One was in 70 AD, and the other was in 135 AD. But there was always a Jewish presence in the land. The Turks, who took over about 700 years ago, now it ruled the land up about World War II, right around World War, I'm sorry, World War I, had control. Then the land was conquered by the British. The Turks entered World War I on the side of Germany. The British knew they had to do something to punish Turkey and also to break up that empire that was going to be a part of the whole effort of Germany in World War I. So the British sent troops against the Turks in the Holy Land. One of the generals who was leading the British army was a man named Allenby. 
Penelope was a Bible-believing Christian. He carried the Bible with him everywhere he went, and he knew the significance of Jerusalem. The night before the attack against Jerusalem to drive out the Turks, Penelope prayed that God would allow him to capture the city without doing damage to the holy places. That day, Alvi sent World War I biplanes over the city of Jerusalem to do a reconnaissance mission. You have to understand that the Turks had at that time never seen an airplane. So they were flying around, they looked up in the sky and saw these fascinating inventions and did not know what they were. And they were terrified by them. Then they were told they were going to be opposed by a man named Alvi. The next day, which means in their language, a man sent from God, or prophet from God. They dared not fight against the prophet from God, so the next morning when Alvi went to take Jerusalem, he went in and captured it without firing a single shot. And he was a Bible-believing Christian that God had put as a general in the army of the British. And this took place in World War One. And my question to you, was this man ready for what God called him to do? Absolutely. Before the foundation of the world, God knew that Allenby, man sent from God, or prophet from God, was going to be on this mission. Now, there's a mission that you and I have been called to. It's twofold. One is to give glory to God and live for Him. The second is to go out into the highways and get all the bad good people and invite them to the wedding. Let's pray right now for an anointing from God's Holy Spirit to do that. To fulfill the commission of going into all the world, or just your family, just your house, maybe just your neighborhood, wherever it is that God's calling you, that you would obey the Lord Jesus, the Savior Jesus, and invite those people to the way. You don't have to make them come to the way. Just give them money. I am to church. I am to the picnic. Maybe they like to uh, clothe and feed the homeless. If I am to Trenton. Invite God's going to open doors for you to invite someone to something. Maybe they don't like coming to the church. Well, there'll be something that you can invite them to. A concert or whatever. But let's pray. Father, tonight, 